1: Hello and welcome to a new podcast, The Paddock and the Pavilion, with Stephen Wallace. In each show, Stephen will interview someone connected to the world of horse racing or cricket. Hello everyone. On today's podcast, I'm joined by former England cricketer and national selector, Geoff Miller. Welcome to The Paddock and the Pavilion, Geoff. Thank you, Stephen. Looking forward to this. Uh, Me too. Um, Something else I found out this morning looking at Playfair, that's the cricket annual, in yeah. 1974 you're also a county table tennis player is that right
0: yeah i was yeah i was yeah i was uh, I was quite good at table tennis at that time yeah uh, i did it through um well you know that somewhere along the line i'm sure we'll be talking about my academics or my non-academics at school so school was um school was all about table tennis and cricket for myself you know the there wasn't too much apart from a few paintings and few droids in the art art room uh, that's what that's what dictated my uh, my schooling really so yeah table tennis I was I was quite good yeah hat ball handball bat coordination and I suppose that goes with both cricket and table tennis
1: ah well it wasn't a mistake then in play fair, I wondered so
0: no 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 I had a uh, we went to a lot of uh, England kind of international things you know and you know, these uh, uh schoolboy competitions as such but yeah i was I was decent but let's move on from that because i was a better cricketer than I was a table tennis player but I wasn't too bad
1: well thank you for that but to start with yeah. before we talk about your cricket in life what are your thoughts on the uh, the test match that's just gone and the and the series so far against India?
0: What are my thoughts on the Test match? Um, uh, from a point of view of Test cricket, it was everything you would want Test cricket to be. You know, the, the intrigue, the interest, the excitement. Uh, but from an England point of view, massively, massively disappointing because we were in a, a very strong winning position and, and basically threw it away. So uh, extremely disappointed with that. Um, we've got to do better. We've got to do better as a test-playing nation because um, we should do better. But Let's go back to your very beginnings, really. Um, What what was your first connection with cricket? My first connection with cricket was father. And it it might surprise you to know, if I could throw you a question now, Stephen, you know what my surname is. What do you think my father's Christian name was?
1: It's not something I've researched, but it, it can't be dusty, can it?
0: No, it can't be dusty. Just think about the world of cricket.
1: Yeah. Oh, um, must be Keith then.
0: Correct. My father's name was Keith. Um, so there was only one way I was going, really. It wasn't going to be table tennis, was it? <laughs> <No>. <laughs>
1: well, you weren't a fast bowler. Well, you were an all rounder, but
0: uh, uh well some would I, say. Was, I was a I was a fast bowler initially, but my father played a very Ordinary standard uh, club cricket. He played, he was a he was a quantity surveyor, a national quantity surveyor, and played for Chesterfield Nalgo, uh, as it was then. And obviously, I used to go and watch that. Uh, took an interest in cricket. Um, I was seven years old. I've said this to many people many times seven years of age uh, on January the 10th, uh, 1959. Heard some noises downstairs on our semi-detached two up two down house. Went to investigate at five o'clock in the morning. Father was putting the doing the fire, making the coals for the fire. Freezing cold day, listening to the radio. I asked him what he was listening to. He said, I'm listening to what cricket's all about. The game of cricket is all about this. It's England versus Australia in Brisbane, a place in Australia called Brisbane. And a chap called Fred Truman is bowling to a fellow called Norman O'Neill, who is an Australian. And this is what the game, and this is what sport's all about. It's the history of sport. He said, just imagine, and he looked at me open-eyed and said, just imagine one day I can be listening to you playing for England in Australia at cricket. And I remember walking out to bat at Sydney thinking, my dad will be listening to this on the radio, Yeah. Uh, so that was the that was the interesting start of it. Uh, dad worked hard. Uh, I could only go and watch him play on a Saturday. Never, never got the fundamentals from my dad. But a little fellow lived down the street on the cul de sac where we live, called Norman Vickers, who was a top top cricket fanatic. He taught me the fundamentals of the game, uh, the basis of the grip of a bat, grip of a ball, you know, when you bowl little seamers and around the back of his house, he used to throw a tennis ball at me and I learned how to, to bat and bowl. And then he was honest enough at a later stage to say, look, if you want to get any better at this game, if you want to be a county cricketer, he said, you're going to have to find somebody who can take you on a little bit further. And when I went to school, a chap called Tony Roberts, who was the gym master at the time, he played for Chesterfield at cricket and rugby as a matter of interest. But uh, he he said, you'll never be a seam bowler. You'll never have the stature to be a seam bowler. He said, I'm a spinner. I, I bowl spin. He said, I'll teach you how to bowl spin. And he taught me the fundamentals of, of spin bowling. So that's well, how you
1: can't be a spinner then, not a fast bowler.
0: Correct. That's absolutely right. And he said, "Um, I think you need to go and play for, you're playing for a, a club side called Cutthorpe. And I was playing the men's team when I was, I don't know, 14 or 15. And he said, you need to go and play to the better standard and come and join Chesterfield. So I went to play for Chesterfield and there was a chap called Jim Relsford, who played for Derbyshire and he was playing for Chesterfield at the time and he took me under his wing and took me further on. Uh, taught me stronger uh, areas of the game that I needed to learn, both uh, mentally and and technically, and physically as well. And then he was an honest man, and he said, "Listen, if you ever want to play international cricket," he said, uh, "you need to talk to somebody who's who's been in that league and can uh, can." And I joined Derbyshire.
1: Yeah, I was going uh, to come on to Derbyshire. You, I was, well, uh,
0: let me do, let me just move, yeah. we can come back yeah. to that. We, yeah. Let me just move on, Stephen, and I say, yeah. And I was, I talked to one or two people, and I didn't think I was getting anywhere really because it, it wasn't putting my mind about what international cricket was about. And then out of the blue, Derbyshire signed Eddie Barlow, and that was mentor number three. So it was Norman Vickers, Jim Relford, and Eddie Barlow, and Eddie Barlow. Because he lived in Chesterfield as well for three years, so we travelled, journeying in the same car all over the place. And he was the one who taught me about learning, mental toughness of international cricket, the ability required to be an international cricketer, and, and all aspects of it. I wasn't I wasn't the greatest international cricketer. There's let's make no mistake about it. But from where I'd started to actually get. To that standard, I was I was quite proud of myself to be honest. So, yeah.
1: before before um, Eddie Barlow, then you made your second Lem debut in 1971, age 18, against Knotts at Retford. And I noticed one of your early victims, I'm looking about your second or third game, was Alvin Calichuran, who I think played for the West Indies the, the very next year. And,
0: what, and playing for who? Playing for, for Warwickshire.
1: You were playing for Derbyshire ah. seconds, and you got. Um, uh, I think he might have been having a year for Warwickshire Seconds because he played for uh, the West Indies in 1972 and you got him out.
0: Have um, you got the scorecard there, Stephen? Not
1: available now. but I'll tell you what's
0: interesting there because the first ball I faced um, in that game was from Bob Willis. Because Bob Willis had just, um, just gone from Surrey to Warwickshire and he was having to spend a year playing for Warwickshire Twos to actually uh, yeah to so he, so he could, that that was the signature status at that time so had uh, bob willis charging in what year was that
1: 1972 one i think 1971
0: all right was, i'm just thinking yeah it's about your that...
1: third game in the second 11 i'm like just
0: this. thinking had he been to australia at that time or or was it yeah he would have been
1: because i think when bob willis went to australia Alan 70, Ward came. 70, Alan
0: Ward got injured, didn't he? So that's right. He went Seventy
1: seventy-one. Um, yeah. uh, Bob Willis was a Surrey player. I'm pretty sure he was.
0: Well, there we are. You see, so yeah. he'd come to that, and it, yeah, so he'd already played Test cricket in Australia. And now I'm a young lad facing <laughs> you Bob Willis. Willis. Charge you. yeah. Uh, and yeah. you
1: went then. You went also on England young cricketers tours mm. to India and the West Indies. Well, it was England.
0: The, the, the India one was schoolboys, schoolboys tour. And then the West Indies one was... Uh, was That's 1972,
1: because you came across Michael Holding in one of those matches, I noticed.
0: He bowled medium. I've, had, I've said to Michael many, many times, we played, we played them at uh, Kingston, um, young cricketers, Jamaica young cricketers. And I've said to Michael on many, many occasions, Michael, when we played against you in the uh, young cricketers, you were a medium pacer. My question to you is, how did you transfer from being a ma- medium pacer to being medium quick? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we've had a laugh about that many times. You know, we're, Michael and I are very close, you know, because he, I got him to come and play at Derbyshire as well. Uh, so, yeah, but he, yeah, we played against We played against some quite... Top quality players, uh, these West Indian players then. It was, uh, well, it, was a, it was a tough tour.
1: Yeah, Graham Gooch was on Gooch, that tour. Gooch yes,
0: was on yeah. it, yeah. yeah. John Barkley. John, well, Johnny went to India, came to India with the schoolboys and that one. John, Johnny was, yeah. John was captain of yeah. the, the West Indies one.
1: Anyway, you yeah. made your first class debut then, age 20, against Lancashire at Buxton in, in July 1973. It was quite a brief game. Um, What do you remember Hmm. about your first-class debut? You had already played a Sunday league game, I checked.
0: I played, my first game was a Sunday league game at Chesterfield against Kent, if I remember rightly. We lost, which we tended to do quite regularly at that time. Yeah, I went to, because I got runs in that, I think I got about 40-odd, I think, in that one-day game. So I then got selected for this game at uh, Buxton. Interesting wicket surface I think that's the best way you could explain it and uh, I remember walking out to bat following Mike Page who'd just been had his finger broken by Peter Lever so I walked out to bat and he passed me and just looked at me said it's Dunkirk out there and I walked (laughs) I walked out to bat to uh to face Peter Lever uh I got naught, I think, if you look. Yeah, you were uh, caught
1: Sullivan Bold uh, Peter Lee for naught, yeah.
0: Peter Lee, yeah. You know, Peter yeah, Lee I, got you
1: out, yeah. Yeah, he did,
0: yeah. Yeah, caught cool. so, so that'd be second slip, I would guess.
1: You got four wickets in your second game against Surrey. Can you remember who your first class victim was? Mike Edwards. Yeah, it's either him or Inticarb because I. I no, can't that was help. that was
0: next ball. I got I got him. Uh, I got Mike Edwards and then Mike Edwards bowled tried to slog me over midwicket, missed it, bowled, and then two balls later, I got Inticarb caught and bowled for naught.
1: Oh, as a test player anyway, in your debut season, so not a bad start.
0: I, uh, and then I got. I think I got a few runs as well in that game because I got naught and then runs in that, then I got another another nought or something in my next game. And then I think I got, I went to Portsmouth and got 70-odd against Hampshire, I think.
1: How did you find your first season of first-class cricket? Was it harder than you thought?
0: Um, no, it wasn't harder. We, we weren't the best side. We were always kind of up against it. So, you know, it was, it was almost accepted that you failed. Which was which was not right. We had to we had to change that attitude, and we had some young lads who came in, me being one of them, and a few others, Colin, Tony Cliff, uh, and uh, you know we had Alan Hill and Tony Borrington. Um, and what we had to do was was change the the attitude of being um, just fulfilling fixtures. We had to be in a situation where we competed against whatever opposition it was. So it it, it gradually, it didn't change overnight, but it gradually changed. It certainly changed dramatically, as I said to you earlier, when Eddie Barlow arrived, because he he changed it. He changed the fitness campaign. He changed the the attitude in all aspects, created a kind of a a winning attitude and a positive attitude. Um, So then we became a side that opposition just didn't, Think they were just going to thrash every time they played, we became a a decent side. So yes, the first year was tough, but you would all I was doing at that stage was learning the game. You know, you were learning about what first-class cricket was all about, and then the gradual, uh, the gradual process of of improving personally, and and that being helping to improve the side. I remember my first net. I was asked uh, the coach was Edwin Smith, who was off-spinner. He said, uh, "Put your pads on, go and have a net in there in that seamer's net." And I went in as a young lad, my first ever net. There was Harold Rhodes, Fred Rumsey, Alan Ward, and Mike Hendry. My first ever net, beautiful. And I think I think I was just the uh, the surface tester. <laughs> <laughs> if it didn't look as though it was uh, playable, then nobody else would go in it. So they wanted some young lad to go in there and just to test it out. Right, so.
1: well, 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 personally, your, your performances with the ball and the bat, in 1974, you got 42 wickets and 75-29. Um, and in 1976, you had a golden year with 77 wickets, 820 mm. runs, and you were selected for the fifth test against Mm. the West Indies, the mighty West Indies at Mm. the Oval. Mm. Um, It was the hot summer, and Mm. it was a pretty hot baptism to make your your debut in.
0: Well, just prior to that, I think I got 6-4 against Middlesex at Lords, And in the squad at that time, I think Phil Edmonds was in the squad, and he damaged his finger. So I remember there was a knock on the door, in the changing room at the end of the game and Eddie Barlow opened the door and it was Pat Gibson, the press man, good friend of mine now. And he said, can I have a word with Jeff Miller? And Eddie said, what for? He said, well, he's been selected in the squad. And I had no idea. I, it, it was him who told me that I'd been selected in the squad. I hadn't been told or anything. Not the way so, you did it when you were a selector, no. Hardly. Um, so, uh, yeah, and I, I turned up, you know, the, the day before, as you did, had, had a bit of a net, had the, the evening get-together, evening meal, as they had then, and, and I wasn't part of the discussion at all. Obviously, we'd, uh, West Indies has given us a tough time, and this was going to be a hard one as well at the Oval, and I wasn't part of the discussion. And then in the morning of the game... Tony Gregg, God bless him, no longer with us. Tony Gregg came to me with a short sleeve sweater, a long sleeve sweater and a cap, said congratulations, you're selected, you're playing. Because Jon Snow had got an injury. So I, <laughs> I as a non spinning off spinner took the place of Jon Snow.
1: <laughs> well it was a good it was a good game to to get an injury because on the first day the West Indies were three hundred and seventy three for three on the first yeah. day. And yeah. do you know that the only England bowler... Oh, sorry. The only England player who didn't bowl... England had nine bowlers in that uh, first inning. We had six spinners. And Dennis Amos was the only person who didn't bowl for England, apart from Alan not as the West Indies racked up 687
0: for yeah. eight. Yeah. I know. I know that very well, Stephen. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Now they... Um, uh, as I say, we, we've got... When you say all these bowlers, you know... There was Bob, Bob Willis and Mike Selvey. But you know, there's myself, Derek Underwood. Um, Derek Underwood. Peter he bowled Willey 60 bowled. overs.
1: Derek bowled 60 overs in that game, in the first inning.
0: Yeah, yeah. But there, there was uh, Chris Boulderston He he left down spinner. David Steele left down spinner. Pete Willie And and Greggy bowled his off spinners as well. So there were six spinners. Uh, anyway... Um, yeah, I, I, we don't need to go into too much detail on that unless you want to. my you know, first wicket the was a, a long hop to Roy Fredericks who smashed it to cover and Chris Baldiston took off and caught it. Well, well five, five
1: of their six batsmen, opening six batsmen, got a half-century with Viv getting 290. And yeah. Michael Holding got 14 wickets, your friend Michael. But you weren't dismissed by Michael in either innings, even though you got 14 of the 20 wickets.
0: I wasn't no first innings. I was. Um, I tried to hook. Now um, wait a minute. Uh, it wasn't. It was
1: Vanburn Holder was your Banny. Uh, yes, it was yeah. Banny,
0: Van Ben Holder. Yeah, yeah. And, and I got caught by substitute um, at mid on. Does it say sub? Have you got it there? Sub caught. No, I sub. haven't got it. No, not
1: in front All of me. No. Right. It's,
0: uh, uh,
1: and then and you got you know, a, a fast bowler got you out in the second innings, didn't he? No, no. This is a joke, really. The, the fast bowler oh, got you out in the second innings, yeah. With Viv Richard,
0: yeah, Richards, Viv Richards, yeah, yeah. Thank you, yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, that's your kind of humour, is it, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But, well.
1: but you got you got uh, some runs. You got thirty six and twenty four, and you went on yeah. the you went then went on the Indian tour mm. and they went to India, Sri Lanka, and the Centenary Test in Australia. Right. What was it like going to to India that you didn't play any of the test matches, and of course, to the centenary test?
0: right, well you, you need to you need to actually mention the middle part of that as well, the Sri Lankan part of it, because I didn't play any I didn't play any tests in India, but bearing in mind, I'd been to India before, i have been to India with the schoolboys, India schools, and so I knew what I was coming into really with India. But I played in I played in zone games and I did all right in zone games. I, I scored runs and took a few wickets in the zone games as well. But I never uh, I think I played at Pune first one and uh, I can Gohati. I think I might have played in Gohati as well. Anyway, I played the zone games because everybody was people wanted to to rest as well. Um, but we had a had a good series. You know, we played we played good cricket in India and did really well and won that series. But we went to Sri Lanka for the first ever, I think it was the first ever unofficial test match. And I remember Tony Gregg saying to me, we need to rest one or two of our players. So I want you to play in this game. He says, and one of the players we want to rest is, is Dennis Amis. Uh, so I want you to open the batting. So I opened the batting. And I think, I think if you're looking, I think I've got 60 odd opening the batting. Anyway, we drew the test or drew the match or whatever. I think we then went on to play a few one-dayers in, I can't remember, Gaul. I think it was Gaul and Candy maybe. And then we moved on to play, went to Australia for the centenary. But the build-up game to the centenary test was at Perth against Western Australia. So having played... On the surfaces and matches and tests in India,
1: to go to the Wacker.
0: No, to, then to go to Colombo and play in Colombo, and Gaul and Candy. Then to go to the Wacker to face Dennis and such like. That was an eye opener, um, but uh, I had to do Night Watchman, and I think I got a few runs as Night Watchman. So it was. It was thrown into the spanner or the, thrown into the the jigsaw what the side was going to be for the centenary test because um, at the time I think Graham Barlow had got some runs as well so it was a big discussion what it was going to be anyway to cut a long story short they picked Keith Fletcher uh, and that's you know so I, I didn't play in the centenary test and neither did Graham Barlow so that's that's how it was and it was a it was a fascinating fascinating. Uh, and the third word, fascinating match. It was superb. Great atmosphere, great crowds, everything on and off the field was everything it needed to be. It was fact, magnificent and it was, a, it was a top game of cricket as well. Low first inning scores, big second inning scores.
1: Now, yeah, well, Your Test career spanned from 1976 to 1984 and you uh, played 34 Tests, 14 of them against Australia who you had a very successful time against, and obviously your dad then got the chance to listen to you mm. on the radio playing yeah. at Sydney, where you got five wickets. Uh, why did you like uh, bowling in Australia, and why did you, why did you do so well in Australia?
0: They had a reputation, Stephen, of, of not playing off spinners very well. I don't know why that was. You know they they'd got they'd got some decent off spinners there, but why they didn't play them so well, I, I, I really don't know. But you know it was. It was blatantly the case. And so if I bowled consistently and, and the odd wicket, certainly Sydney, turned, that gave the opportunity to uh, put them under pressure with the spinners. And, of course, at that time, John Embry was out there as well. So, and Phil Edmonds as well. But Phil didn't play many of the, I think he only played the first test and then it was myself and John Embry. Uh, and we put them under quite a, uh, a certain amount of pressure. We'd got some uh, good seamers as well. So, but from a spin point of view, I was probably bowling at my best at that time on certain wickets that were conducive and responsive against players who you felt weren't at their best against off spin. So that's that's why I had such a a decent uh, decent tour.
1: Yeah, you had you got thirty nine of your test wickets against of your sixty against. uh, Australia, yeah,
0: um, yeah.
1: You also played twenty-five one-day internationals, um, mm. and, and you looking up. You did play in the nineteen seventy-nine World Cup in a match against Canada. Oh, two to uh, of us, thank you. But um, <laughs> the question, the question that I wanted to ask you was: if Jeff Miller had played the final, and we hadn't have played this mixture of was it Wayne Larkins, Jeffrey yeah, Boycott, would yeah. we have won the final against the mighty well, West Indians?
0: Probably not. <laughs> probably not. I'd probably have gone for the same amount as Wayne and Jeffrey and has uh, 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 gone because um, we were in a decent position in that game at one stage, and then then it was Collis. Was it Collis King and uh, and Viv took over, didn't they?
1: That's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. And then we were uh, we were we were chasing the uh, chasing the eight ball then.
1: And you also remembered in your England career. and We're going to come back, to, I think, to Bob Willis again here for scoring two scores of ninety-eight, one of which mm. was not out um, against Pakistan at Lahore in your fourth Test match. And and Bob was the number eleven, I think, who was out, mm.
0: wasn't he? Given mm. caught leg leg slip on off the, I think it was a googly off Abdul Qadir, if I remember rightly. And if you're telling me that a googly that turned. That Bob Willis is going to get anywhere near it with his bat, then uh, I think you're joking. And he didn't get anywhere near it with his bat. But anyway, he was given out. So um, yeah, I was 98 not out at the time, which was you know it it was I played quite well. I was happy with that because that was Abdul Qadir's debut in Test cricket, and obviously he moved on to to greater things. Uh, but Yeah, I I played pretty well in that uh, in that game, but it was it was uh, it was a batter's wicket. That was the game, I think, where Madassa battered got the slowest ever hundred, didn't he? I think. Oh
1: yes, yes, yeah.
0: Mm.
1: So you don't blame Bob then, uh, rest of. Oh no, not
0: at all. No, in fact, I can't remember.
1: You put on quite a lot for the tenth wicket. About. I'm just
0: going to say that I can't remember what score I was on when Bob came in, but. He'd done really, really well. To be fair, you know, and we'd turn down a few runs here and there, you know, because it was more relevant. That uh... and anyway, ninety-eight. It's not bad. Not bad. No,
1: no. And your final Test match was another famous match, which actually last year during lockdown was were shown clips on the television when they were re- reliving some of the England West Indies matches was the match yeah. at Lord's in the, in the Blackwash series, the second test. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. You were run out in the first innings from mm. a long way, a long way from the boundary by Dean Baptiste, but Correct. West Indies scored 344 on that last day. Mm. Um, did you feel when you were playing that game that it was to be your last match? I mean, the, you got yes. the selectors axe that day. Were you expecting it?
0: Yes. Yes. I'd, uh, funnily enough, well, I say funnily enough, I wasn't anticipating because I hadn't played, that was 1984. I hadn't played 83 or I'd been to Australia in 82, but I didn't, you know, I thought that was my finish. So, you know, I'd gone back to, uh, gone back to Derbyshire and I was thinking, well, you know, I'll, I'll finish my career county cricket wise and then move on into some other field. And then, out of the blue, because I'd I'd done all right, I was selected for the uh, first test or whatever it was at Edgbaston. It came just out of the blue. So, and whether they thought they they wanted some spin there, but some depth in batting, I don't know. Uh, But anyway, I was selected for that, didn't do particularly well in that. And then went to Lords, didn't do particularly well at Lords. So, yes, I knew at that stage, and I certainly knew. Uh, afterwards, uh, two days afterwards, when I got a phone call from the captain who said that um, I'm having a barbecue at my house on the rest day of the next Test match, Jeff. He said, and I'd like you to come to it. I said, I'll be there. Don't worry about that. He said, well, you'll have to drive from Chesterfield to come to it because you're not playing in the game. <laughs> so-
1: <laughs> this was David Gower,
0: yeah. I didn't say who it was. You can say <laughs> who it was. If you were. But he, I've, I've, I've had this... You know, obviously, you know I do a lot of uh, after dinner speaking, so I've used that a few times with David being there. So uh, that that was that we used to call that dressing room humour, which was which was fine. I, I knew I knew that call in some way, shape, or form was coming.
1: But were the West Indian side um, in 1984 were they the best ever side? Well, au you played against the best ever side you've ever seen.
0: Good question. Um, very difficult to tell. Uh, between the West Indies side that I made my debut against, uh, that West Indies side, and probably the top Australian side as well, when the Aussies were really at their best, when Shane and uh, Glenn McGrath and and, and the and the War Brothers. And, you know, you can't really tell. But I, I would have thought that of all those sides... The debut side that I played against, which was uh, the 76, that would have taken some beating. Um, but as you say, you know, that, it's a lot of it revolved, or they got plenty of batting anyway, but a lot of it revolved around the quality of the bowling attack. And that was Michael Holding, Andy Roberts, Wayne Daniel, Van Burn Holder. And then you come later on and it's Malcolm Marshall who... Was probably up there is probably the best. Um, Joel Garner. Uh, you can just you can just run through them all. Andy Roberts was still playing, so it, it was tough. It was tough. But I'm not sure if those two sides actually played against each other. Which one would win? It to be very tight. But I, I'd like I, I would also throw that Aussie side in as well because they could play.
1: Well, I had Michael Holden, um on the podcast a couple of weeks back. and Oh, yeah. He, he, um, we are talking about that series in 1984, and the, I looked through the results, and England lost two tests by an innings, one by nine wickets, one by eight wickets, and the closest we got was a defeat by 172 runs. And he, he sort of smiled when I was on the screen, when I was reading out the scores.
0: There we are. So I think Stephen, to be fair, that answers your question, doesn't it? Mind you, when you get results like that, it also depends on the opposition, doesn't it? The quality of the opposition, you know, you when you when you're smashing through people, but well, we, there were some decent players, you know, playing against them, so they were they were they were topside, topside, and actually, I have to say, slightly disappointed to see the quality of where it, where they are now, West Indies wise from that.
1: Well, let's just go back to your county career. You played for Derbyshire between 73 and 87. Then you went to Essex uh, between 87 and 89 and back to Derby in 1990. What was the highlight of your county career?
0: Easy, easy answer. 1981 NatWest final, winning the NatWest final.
1: I thought you'd say that.
0: Yeah. It had to be that, you know, because what we had done is, Traveled from a very, very ordinary side, as I said very early in our uh, in our conversation, a very ordinary side, up to a side who sides knew they had to play well to beat us, and we'd got some we had, at that time some real quality players. You know, we'd got Barry Wood, John Wright, Peter Kirsten, Steely David Steele, Kim Barnett, and that's and myself. Bob Taylor, Mike Hendrick. It was, it was a quality, quality side. And we got some young players who were coming through as well, Colin Tunnicliffe and uh, and Paul Newman. Good, good cricketers. So, yeah, that was the sign when we played Northampton. But what people don't tend to realise, we won that Nat West without beating the opposition. You know, it was, the scores were level, but we'd lost less wickets. But what people forget and tend to forget whether they look into it or not, we actually won the semi-final without beating the opposition in that as well because we played Essex and we beat Essex in the semi-final by losing same scores, but losing less wickets. So we actually won the semi-final and the final without beating either of the sides. But yeah, that was, that was the you know, and at the end, to win the game, there were two Derbyshire lads, Colin Tunnicliffe and myself, two Derbyshire lads out there in the middle, finishing it off, which, again, that was special as well.
1: Yeah, it must have been. Well, you, you retired in 1990, in I taken 888 wickets, 12,000 mm. runs. Were you ready to retire in
0: 1990? I was, I was ready to retire in 1986 because I was about to set up uh, a sports shop uh, in partnership with a good friend of mine who sadly has just passed away. Through uh, dementia, uh, Ernie Moss. We were oh, the, footballer. Oh. Yeah. 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 the footballer.
1: Yeah, yeah, footballer. Yeah, he's
0: just uh, he's just been um, he's had the what they tend to be the talk about being the heading problem because he was a typical old world centre forward. Yeah, yeah. 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 Anyway, um, we we uh, you see that's that's actually hit me. It, it hits me now. the... You know, we were very close and very, very, very sad to see a man as he was, a real gentleman and solid character to, to fall into that kind of disrepair. Anyway, uh, so that's what I was going to do. We were going to set up this sports shop and then open one or two, which we did. We opened another one in Matlock, one in Chesterfield, one in Matlock. And that's what I was thinking of moving into. And I think the last game of the season was against uh, Essex. Derby, and it was raining. I went running round just. I like to do a little bit of running, and so did the Essex's opening batsman. And he said, "Can I come for a run with you?" Because obviously we knew each other very well from England youth to the West Indies and England team. So he said, "What are you doing next year?" I said, "Well, well, I'm finishing. I'm going into the sports business." He said, "Well, David Ackfield's retiring, finishing, and we." Would you like to come and bowl off spin for us down there? So, crikey, oh, I don't know. Uh, I wasn't thinking of it. He said, "Well, give it a bit of thought. I'll get Doug and Doug insult to give you a ring." So Doug, give me a ring. I went down to have a chat with them, and ended up going down there for three years. And that's, well, that must have been
1: must have been great fun playing at Essex.
0: They were fantastic. You know, the you now the reputation of them at that time, I can only I can only say. This is exactly how you would anticipate it to be because they could have as much fun on or off the field, but the captain, or it was Gucci at the time, but there's Keith Fletcher as well, it got to a stage right, click the fingers, let's concentrate, boys, we've got a job to do here, and they could, cont- and they could play. They, they could have fun, they could enjoy themselves, but when you got them on the field, they could play. They got some real quality players. So, yeah, it was it was three super years. But I was, as, as I've, we've talked many times with Gucci and, and JK and such like, I was past my best. And I went back to Derbyshire to catch one or two catches at Slip, Roffy and Bishop, uh, and to see, you know, just to help them out, and give them a bit of uh, senior advice and was an- maybe anticipating being involved with Derbyshire in some off-field capacity. Anyway, it didn't come to fruition. And um, out of the blue, because I would never, ever thought, we'd not even talked about it yet, Stephen, out of the blue, an agent said to me, do you fancy doing some after-dinner speaking? I said, after-dinner? What do you mean, after-dinner speaking? He said, well, telling some stories. I said, about what? He said, well, about your career. Said, you know, you're, you're finishing and... Uh, Oh, so I can I can give it a go. So anyway, that was 1990, and I've been doing it ever since.
1: And you've been entertaining many people. So uh, and and, well, and not not just at cricket grounds, are they? You've obviously spoken on boats and things like that. I think,
0: haven't you? Oh, all kinds, yeah. Oh, but yeah, boats and QE have to did do, you? Dubai, done the uh, is it Queen Mary over there? Is it or the QE2? Is it QE2? Anyway, yeah, I've been all over the place, all over the world doing it. But I love doing, it. and what I'm doing, as far as I'm concerned, I'm putting something back. All right, you know, it's it's a nice little, uh, nice little job as such. But yeah, I I got so much out of cricket, and I just feel you know I'm entertaining people now, just putting something back into the game that it deserves, it merits, and I enjoy doing it. I love doing it, and there's nothing you know if you talk to any comedian as such, I'm not saying I'm a comedian, but I'm I'm anecdotal, it's humorous anecdotal stuff. If you talk to any, they'll say it's the best thing in the world to stand up in front of people and seeing them enjoy themselves. and, And you're the one that's creating the enjoyment. It's fantastic. In part
1: two of our podcast with Jeff Miller, I went on to talk to Jeff about his role as an England cricket selector. Here's a short part of the show, which will be released on Tuesday, the 24th of August. If,
0: I'm, if I've am if i got to leave somebody out or not select somebody, I've got to give them a reason for it. And it's a hard conversation. They're not going to agree with it, are they? But as long as you, there's, there was an honesty there and a straight talk and a reason why, they might not agree with the reason, but at least you can explain the reason why the decision's been made. And there's no better way, because you can't hide your eyes and your and your character, if you're doing it face to face and person to person.
1: And now back to part one with Jeff Miller. You're still keeping busy despite all the lockdown over the last eighteen months and and COVID. Not really. Not really. Are you still watching much cricket? Have you been watching the hundred, by the way?
0: Uh, I've watched. Yes, I've watched a bit of it. Yeah. Um, it's it's different. It's different and. It was intended to be different, I'm sure. So you know, it, it's it's the modern era. It's the modern modern watch. I'm I'm frightened. I'm frightened about the future of Test cricket. Uh, I'm not sure. You know, everybody's having this same conversation. That, that I think the problem is that Test cricket is still being watched and still being enjoyed by the older fraternity. The younger fraternity prefers the faster aspect of the game whether it's whether it's 50 whether it's 20 or whether it's 100 you know, whatever it is. my problem is that the older fraternity move on and the younger fraternity become the older fraternity and I can't see their their attitude changing from becoming younger fraternity to older fraternity in the enjoyment what they see, as the game of cricket, so where does that leave Test cricket? You know that that's my, that's my worry of it. Uh, but you know, you I fully understand the situation where you've got to uh, you've got to appease the selector. You've got to uh, you've got to create uh, create a, a game that the spectator or the modern spectator is wanting to watch and to bring them in. So if that's what it is, well. Is this is this hundred doing it? You know, it's it's always interesting to see the initial response to the game. It'll be interesting to see how because it'll continue for next year as well. How it how it evolves next year and whether it becomes even more watchable or or numbers wise to um, spectating it. So um, yeah, I watch it and it's it's different. It's different, but I I, I once had a. Uh, uh, well, I've talked to him many times about this. I once had a conversation with, with Jeff Boycott. I, I did a Q&A with him. It was in Manchester, and you'll probably remember the time because it was three days after Scott Styris had been hit over cover, left-handed-wise, by uh, Kevin Peterson. Do you remember that? Hit him for six. And I remember saying to Jeff Boycott, did you ever think about changing hands to a left-hander to uh, to become a left-hander and hit it over cover for six? He anyway, went, What a stupid question, absolutely not. He says, But what I will say is that when I started playing the game, he said, When I went into nets at Yorkshire, if I didn't play a shot that was respective at the ball that was bowled, then uh, I was dragged out of the net. If you're not going to play properly, come out of the net. So that's how we learned to play. So you learned to play properly. Now, what happens is the lads are allowed to practice and invent and create, okay? So they're no longer gamble shots. Because they're practicing them and, and and using them regularly in the nets, they become, which is almost like the norm. The problem is, if that becomes the norm, what happens to the forward defensive or the shot where you're leaving it outside off stuff? Does that become a non-entity? Jigsaw. We'll, we'll, Jigsaw.
1: We will see. We will see. I'm, I'm sure... If you'd have been around now, that you'd have been playing playing in the IPL, you'd been one of these itsy bitsy players at bats and bowls, and
0: uh, and a slow bowler, you'd have been ideal. Yeah, I would. My my quality as a one day cricketer in uh, twenty or a hundred uh, would have been on the sidelines. That is a, a shadow. Have you seen my batting average in one day cricket for internationals? No, I've I won't up. look that up. No. no. Well, I'll tell you what it is: eight point two. Right. So that tells you the story. You know, I, well, I can pull not, yeah. yeah. So no, I I was a decent I was a decent one day cricketer as one day cricket was played then. I would not be, I wouldn't be strong enough to be a modern day one day cricketer.
1: Well, thank you very much for joining me on the paddock and the pavilion. Pleasure. Um, you've Pleasure come a very long way from coming downstairs to uh Mm. Uh, uh, share with your dad listening to the England team in Australia. And it must have been probably one of the highlights of of his life to actually be able to listen to you actually play in Sydney, having um, had that encounter all those years before.
0: Mm. Well, he was proud. He was not specifically proud, I have to say, but I've talked to a lot of people who knew him very well and they've said to me when he passed away and uh, they've said to me many times he was thoroughly proud of what you'd have achieved i said well he, he never said anything to me he said no, i wouldn't do he says but i'm telling you now he used to say it to us he says what jeff's achieved from what he what he was at school is something like extraordinary he says and i'm thrilled to bits and proud proud as a peacock for him so you know i did what i did obviously it's for myself but uh, uh, because I wanted to better myself, but they, he, and my mother gave me the opportunity because I wasn't I wasn't working hard enough on my academics. They gave me the opportunity to go into a career that I loved, and so I, hopefully I've repaid them in some way. Well, thank you very much. Pleasure anytime. Thank you for
1: listening to the paddock and the pavilion. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook. And now on Instagram at the Pad and Pad. Don't forget, if you like the show, please do leave us a rating and review. Sports Social Podcast Network.
0: Hey Mel, Bri here. Gotta work from home today because the whole family caught a nasty. Daddy. Hey Mikey! If you're gonna puke, find the popcorn bowl!